Blog Talk Radio. Yo, Rebel Guard Radio is live on the air. On May 3, 2008, my wife Jessica will be participating in the Bay Area Brain Tumor Walk. My wife Jessica has overcome and has been brain tumor free for five months. Jessica is collecting sponsors for this very important charity. And if you would like to donate anything, please visit the website www.firstgiving.com backslash Jessica Trites Man. That's J E. S-S-I-C-A-T-R-I-T-E-S-M-A-N-N. Once again, firstgiving.com backslash Jessica Tritesman. And also remember that this is a tax-deductible write-off. So please dig deep into your pockets and support this charity. Um, my family and my wife, we would greatly appreciate it and thank you. All right, you guys, welcome to the March 25th edition of Ripper Guard Radio. I'm your host, KZ. I'm joined now along by my tag team partner, Alex Saint. And the first hour of Rubber Guard tonight is brought to you by our sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, DVDs, lucha masks, all kinds of different swag. Check them out. And we are waiting for Rob Feinstein to call into the show. What's going on, Al? Okay, Dave Meltzer puts in his Monday update. From SoCal Pro Wrestling Saturday night in Oceanside. I, Adam Pierce beat Ricky Mandel to keep the NWA world title. And then this is someone's editorial. I'm not sure who it is, but Dave Meltzer posted it on our site. My how that title has fallen from Luthez and Rick Flair to SoCal Pro Wrestling. I have no idea what, I don't know who that's supposed to be an indictment on, but that match was awesome. It was a hell of a match. Uh, I believe the, Jeff put that match on YouTube. You need to go check it out. That match was awesome. I very very rarely today do I ever go to a show and see the fans react, you know, like, wow, a title change is happening here. Unless they're smart fans, and then, you know, they kind of build up the title change. They just don't do it. I've seen that a couple of times. But the fans in, San, in Oceanside, San Diego, whatever, actually thought Mandel was going to beat Pierce that night. And then it was just an amazing, amazing. That's my two cents. Uh, I I was really surprised when when I saw that on on Meltzer's update. And to be honest, I don't think it was Dave burying burying Pierce. I don't. That's not his style. There's no reason for for Dave to bury him. Well, yeah. Well, the person uh, breaking the case, Dave. Like the person who sends the updates is is TNT. So I don't know if TNT was ribbing Dave or I mean ribbing uh, Pierce or what. But uh, I don't I don't know why why that comment would have been made. 
Yeah, I don't understand that. But we can ask Mr. Pierce himself next Tuesday about his feelings on on that that uh, update by Meltzer because uh, next month or next Tuesday we're going to have uh, East Coast Independent Sensation, my my personal favorite independent high flyer Sabian, and in the second hour we will be joined by the NWA World Heavyweight Champion Scrap Daddy Iron Pierce or Adam Pierce. I got him booked specifically for you. Because I know yeah. you are a huge Pierce Mark, so I would like to uh, hold on a second. I would like to thank okay. Jeff from SoCal Pro and Wrestle Warehouse for hooking up that interview. I have to give Jeff credit, put him over for it. But as you were, sir. Oh, Pierce is just uh, amazing, amazing talent. And then uh, I'm I have the honor of uh, going. I go to SoCal Pro shows, and then uh, Jeff likes to bring him in a lot. And I've had the honor of seeing Pierce work many, many. Well, a couple of times we're so, so live, and it's awesome every time I get to see him. And then it's just awesome. He's such an awesome wrestler. And then a lot of people should be studying a lot of Adam Pearce matches. I mean, they're they're good, and he does. It's just awesome. <laughs> oh boy, let's see. We are awaiting Mr. Feinstein to call in. Um, any news? Any news going on today, Alex? That you noticed? Oh wait a second. Let me. I'll pull up my. Uh, I'll pull up some news in, in one second. Um, did you see Raw last night? Nope. I don't watch WWE. Okay, so I guess we can't talk about that. <laughs> Let me uh, just wait one second. Hey, do we have a commercial we can play while I pull this up real quick? Excuse me? Do we have a commercial we can play real quick while I pull this up? Um... I honestly, Al, I I'm having trouble hearing you. Maybe you're in a dead spot or something. Hey, do you, uh, do you have a commercial you can pull up while I, while I pull this information up? Oh yeah, sure. Um, let's see who's who's running this weekend. Uh, let's look at the calendar. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I got this weekend. some right here. Uh, WWE is holding a press conference noon tomorrow at the Hard, Hard Rock Cafe in Manhattan. Um. I guess they're, they're continuing that hard media push toward WrestleMania. Um, they don't have TV or anything. How, how hard have they been pushing WrestleMania on uh, local television? I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen any commercials. Uh, I know they did the press conference in Los Angeles, uh, hyping up WrestleMania. It should be really interesting. What, what are your predictions on pay-per-view buys for this WrestleMania? I... Okay. Um, yeah, I, I I heard that they're pushing it in the major markets. Um, they did some billboarding and uh, pay-per-view buys. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Brian's original uh, choice, 1.2 million. Yeah. Um, Jake Shields is off a Saturday Night Strike Force show. I know that affects you. Uh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. It's a one fight. It's a one fight card. I don't know why they put all that other stuff on it. You know, yeah, it's Frankie I mean, Kung Lee. It's a it's a one fight card, and actually, I was talking to some people backstage at the LOI show, who's actually the photographer, so they go in and cover the show. Um, their opinions were that Chung was going to take Frank out unless Frank was able to get to the ground, which uh, that should be very interesting. But Jake Shields, uh, he's one of he, he, he's one of the top fighters in the world in his weight class, and. Um, what, he's a welterweight, yeah. So I mean, he's 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 very very good, and 
Hopefully we see him in UFC sometime. But it seems like they're trying to feature him on their big shows. Because I know when they did the joint show at the LA Coliseum, he was on the undercard. Well, Jake comes from comes from the Caesar Gracie Dojo up in in, in Stockton, mm-hmm. and uh, you know with the, the Diaz brothers and uh, Gilbert Melendez as well, who's the Strike Force mm-hmm. lightweight title list, who's probably I would say top five in the world lightweights. Um, Jake Jane trains with the best. Yeah, you know, he and with Jake. The best. Jake is very good, and also I got um. What was I oh, the WWE is releasing a kids magazine, and then they're uh, they're gonna start hitting more kids because they're talking about even doing a new cartoon. What do you think about that, Alex? I don't let my eight year old watch this stuff. I wouldn't let any right. child watch it. It's not appropriate. Yeah, the WWE Kids magazine. It'd be very interesting. What exactly? Uh, what what? Because uh, are they trying to groom the the younger kids for? Uh, I, I'm. It's very interesting to me. What exactly are they trying to accomplish by doing this? Are they trying to get the kids ready from birth to watch wrestling? Yeah, I'm not. I don't quite understand. It's okay. If they're going to, you know, market towards children, they need to get the divas off the screen with all the skimpy clothes, you know, or move it to like a pay station. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like a an HBO or Showtime or Playboy even, because the, obviously. The, the the product now is not kid friendly at all. Plus, I don't think pro wrestling should be kid friendly. Um, what I came the, up just, just the violent what, aspect. When when I came up, I felt that it was kid friendly. At least the WWF product. I would say WCW was uh, WC well, NWA slash WCW. It wasn't exactly risque or taboo. It was just wrestling. Is that you know what I'm talking about? It was it was more of just wrestling, and I don't see a problem with you know children watching that because there wasn't you know the risque women. In fact, the only women I remember growing up were like Missy Hyde and Alexandria York, and they might do a swimsuit contest. That's as risque as they get. And then WWF was I mean WWF was a, a, a live action cartoon when I was coming up. I mean they had Hulk Hogan and his cast of characters, his cast of heels that he fought. I mean. Uh, that's how I grew up on wrestling. And, well, I'm Alex. Alex, I, I don't mean to you know be the boss or anything here, but I'm going to cut you off because I do have a certain caller from the Philadelphia area, Rob Feinstein. Welcome to Riverguard Radio. How you doing, brother? Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, anytime. And I'm sorry about having my wife call you at the office. Oh, that's not a problem. You know, I, I, it was a good reminder. Actually, I didn't even know it was tonight. I thought it was Thursday for some reason. She she is the secretary. She is the one behind the scenes. Um, I'm on the line with my co-host, Alex. Alex, say hi to Rob. Hey, what's going on, Rob? Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing all right. Oh. It's so where nice are you guys out, out here of? in the West Coast. I am out of San Francisco. Okay. So and did you guys Alex get to go to that big uh, convention that happened a couple of months back? Oh, boy. I chose not to go, but my uh, my co-host went. Okay, well, you're not the only one who didn't show up, I guess, from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. Did you show no, I didn't actually go out there. We we were going to go out there, but the expenses would have been too great, and you know I didn't think it was going to be worth our time. But I, I actually didn't think like half the talent was going to show up, and I was surprised that some of the names did. But I'm not, uh, lucky I didn't go. Well, there there were some really good stories that came out of it, and you know a lot of people made some good connections and stuff. So I mean, it wasn't all bad. Right, right. Uh, I would have went just to uh, see the fight in the uh, hallways and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, Don Fry, Don Fry. <laughs> 
man, it's just uh, I should have at least went out to the hotels after. I, I didn't even think of it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so. let's start off. Well, Rob, how'd you uh, how'd you come across pro, across pro wrestling? As far as a fan goes, is that what you mean? As a fan, yeah, we're gonna start off with a fan. All right, no problem. It was about probably like twelve or actually I was actually ten years old, and I was watching Saturday morning TV, and I came across the Samoans, and I believe it was Andre the Giant doing a promo, uh, promoting a show that was coming here in Philadelphia at the Spectrum. And I, I didn't even know what wrestling was. I'd never seen it before on TV, and just that interview just caught my eye. And from that moment forward, I started watching it every Saturday morning, and I became addicted to the, to the sport. And um, as a fan, I didn't go to wrestling until I was about, like, 11 years old. And I just, you know, was addicted to it right from seeing it from the get-go. It was very entertaining to me. So, But it was early WWF stuff. We didn't have NWA here in Philadelphia until about 1985, 1986. It didn't air on TV. So so you were there for the glory days in the spectrum? Oh, yeah. Big eight-man tags with uh, the Samoans and, and whoever they could get against uh, Snuka. Yeah, exactly, Andre. Andre. I was there. I think it was <laughs> Samoans and Don Morocco against uh, Snuka, Andre, and I think maybe Rocky Johnson, maybe. Yeah, that was on uh, Best of the WWF Volume 1. Believe it or not, I was at some of those shows. So <laughs> well, There you go. Yeah. There you go. So you, so uh, Crockett came in about 85-ish. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would, I would, go ahead. Which, which product did you prefer? Uh, without a doubt, NWA. It, it was just a better product as far as seeing the shows live. The guys put on a better performance. And in like 84, 85, when Vince started taking over all the territories, his company was car- kind of cartoonish. And I liked the NWA for the blood and the guts, and it, it was just more brutal, and the storylines just seemed a little bit more real. So I found NWA a lot more entertaining, especially the live shows just blew away anything you would ever see you know, at the Spectrum. They used to run them here at the uh, Philadelphia Civic Center. And I just remember going all the time with my father and, and my friends, and you know, I knew wrestling wasn't real, but... NWA sure seemed real to me. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <clears throat> so, um, are you as sad as I am about what's going to go on this Saturday with Flair's going into the Hall of Fame and him probably retiring Sunday? Yeah, I'm sad. It is kind of sad, but I think Rick's time in the sun is sort of over. I'd like to see him behind the scenes because he could offer so much to the company. And I just watched him. I guess it was maybe to match with either Vince or a week before he was on TV. And his body just looks like it's totally shot and run down and I kind of feel bad for the guy. But, I mean, he's contributed a lot to the business. And I grew up on Ric Flair. I'm one of the biggest Flair marks out there. And I think he's going to have a lot to offer behind the scenes. And he could teach a lot of the young guys a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of at knowledge. Least, at least how to cut a quality promo. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you should be able to get your point across in, in 30 seconds as opposed to 20 minutes. Yeah, without a doubt. And nobody does I mean, interviews that's... anymore. They're really good. <laughs> well, at least at least not in the big time. Right. Um, my uh, my co-host is actually one hell of an asshole heel. Um, <laughs> he has four matches under his belt, but I have rarely seen the type of heat that he had a few weeks ago because I flew down to San Diego to attend one of his company's shows just to see him in the ring and see him do his thing. And I was shocked. I was like, okay, dude, um, this is better than anything I've seen on TV for years. And I'm not just putting him over because he's my friend and my co-host, but he actually got heat, real That's heat, good. Rob. And it's hard to get these days. Yeah, no shit. All right, Alex, it's on you, man. Uh, what, what are some of your favorite uh, Ric Flair memories going on while we're, t- we're talking about Ric Flair? 
I'd say seeing him after the shows were over at the Marriott Hotel in Philadelphia, just at the bars, I would sneak in, and uh, I'd see him totally being what Ric Flair talked about on TV, wheeling, dealing, kiss, dealing, and all that stuff, and having three different girls with him, and later on in the evening, he would be drunk in the hallways, running around naked with just a sock on his uh, private parts, <laughs> and uh, he was pretty much just the character, I mean, everything you see on TV, what he talks about is really him, and he's, you know, in the afternoon, he'd come to the hotel, and he'd always be in a suit, and first class all the way he'd stop for pictures with all the fans and uh at nighttime he'd do his business in the ring and then afterwards he'd be a you know party animal so uh, how did but you it, make your oh, i'm sorry no i was going to say as far as like my favorite flair moment in the ring would have to be some of his matches with steamboat and at russell war 89 i believe oh yeah how did you make the transition from being a wrestling fan to where you sold tapes um, well, I met Todd Gordon. He started up ECW around 94 uh, after Joel Goodhart closed down. And I got friendly with Todd. I met him at a wrestling convention, and he had told me that he was going to start up a wrestling company and take over where Todd left, or actually where Joel left off, and he was going to change the name of the company. And um, I asked him if I could set up my merchandise table. At the time, I was just a tape trader and bootlegging all the tapes that I could get my hands on through the Wrestling Observer readers' pages. There was a, I don't know if you remember that, but Dave used to have a section there where all the fans could trade tapes, and I used to subscribe to it and trade tapes, and I built up a huge collection. And I met Todd, and I started setting up at the early ECW shows early on, and I met a lot of the guys like Paul Heyman and Eddie Gilbert and Terry Funk early on when they first all came to ECW, and from there, I just started getting more involved with the company as time progressed. And actually, even before that, I got my foot in the door from uh, driving the guys from the hotels over to the arena. And I started getting backstage and all that stuff through driving, like, Ricky Morton and Road Warrior Animal. And uh, I drove Sting a couple times. This is, like, back in, like, 86, I believe. And um, that was pretty much how I got my foot in the door. Uh, what are your early memories of the early ECW product when Eddie Gilbert was booking? Well, Eddie wasn't there that long. He was only there, to be honest, maybe six or seven months before Paul took over. But I loved what he was doing. I think Paul took it to a new level, obviously. But uh, Eddie Gilbert brought a lot of the Memphis guys in, like his brother, Doug Gilbert. and It kind of had a Memphis steel to, feel to the product, but it was a lot more hardcore. But um, I think one of the last things that Eddie booked was, I believe, the Ultra Class show with Abdullah Butcher, and he was supposed to be in the main event with Stan Hansen and uh, I think Terry Funk, and I forgot who the other guy was, but I know it was a pretty brutal match. But I, I liked the product when he was there. Um, what are your thoughts on the, the Eddie Gilbert split from ECW? Um, I was there the night that Paulie took over, and him and Eddie Gilbert got into a big fight backstage verbally. Um, I guess I don't know the real story of what happened, but I guess that led to the Paul Heyman and Eddie Gilbert's friendship breaking up. Um, so it's kind of unfortunate, and I didn't really get to know Eddie Gilbert at all when he was in ECW. I didn't really get to socialize with him. About two weeks before he passed away, he had called me. He was in Puerto Rico working for Carlos Colon, and he was about to do a fire match down there, so he wanted to get some footage from our, our uh, library, and uh, I never had a chance to really get it to him because he passed away about a week after that phone call took place, so I didn't really know Eddie as a person at all. Um, now, Paul Heyman, that was the first company that I believe that he had. He was the primary booker. And what are, you, what are some of your early mem uh, memories of uh, Paul Heyman booking ECW? I thought he was a genius right from the get-go. Um, Paul knew how to like bring in talent and make them into superstars. He was really good at hiding people's weaknesses and uh, showcasing their talents. Uh, he created a lot of guys. He created pretty much the WWE revolution when they went all extreme. And... Um, 
I mean, Paul could take a guy that would never get over anywhere else, and he would make him like the champion of ECW. And you know, I'm not saying that the ECW champions were nobodies or anything like that, but I'm just giving that as an analogy. But Paul was a, a genius. He was really good at what he did, and uh, he helped me out a lot. <laughs> what are What are some of your memories of uh, Shane Douglas starting out in ECW? Um, at first, when he first came out, I think he was teaming up with like Mr. Hughes, and I remember going to the arena on Sunday afternoons, and I think there was only 40 fans in the building, and I think Paul had him programmed with the Bruce Brothers on Ron Harris, and they really weren't getting over. And then Shane was paired up with Sherry Martell for the rub because Sherry was such a great heel, and um, <coughs> excuse me, eventually his character took off, and um, Shane was given the ball, and he did really quite well for himself in ECW. You know, later on he became the champion of the company, and he had a you know a split with Paulie, which kind of led to his departure, and he came back and he had another falling out, I believe. But Shane was great for the company. He was a good talker and he could wrestle and he had a good look. So I think uh, he was he was a good asset to the company. What what are your feelings on the evolution <laughs> of the Sandman from uh, his original gimmick? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was today. awesome. To be honest, with you, I, I just saw Sandman on Saturday, and I, every time I see the guy, it's just a miracle that he's still alive. Not that uh, he's out of control, but I don't know how the Sandman gets to the buildings. I mean, he's always uh, drunk at the shows and stuff like that, so hopefully he's not the one driving. But, I mean, I, I, I've seen him, you know, come up from when he was with Joel Goodhart, and then Paulie gave him the Sandman character. And, you know, I remember going on the road every weekend with ECW for like seven years, and every weekend we'd hear that song, and it was like the longest ring entrance. And by the fourth year in, we were like, oh, my God, just end this already. <laughs> we were just so sick of hearing Enter Sandman. What was your favorite angle that ECW did? I would say the, the Lawler invasion when he came in and Cornette came in. I thought that was awesome. The crowd heat was just amazing. Um, I would also say the Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, blinding angle when Sandman said he was going to retire and turn heel and uh, Kane Dreamer. Paulie did a lot of good angles. I mean, ECW was just notorious for angles, so they did a lot of good stuff. But the Sandman, Tommy Dreamer one sticks out. Okay, um, okay so Alex and myself. Hold on now, hold on. Alex and myself, we, we debate regularly on which year of ECW TV is the best. I say 97, he says 96. What's your opinion? 96 was uh, Malenko Guerrero, right? And Ray was there, I, I believe. That's, that, yeah, the that was 95, Malenko Guerrero. 96 was uh, okay. Ray when, when Ray first came in. Yeah, when Raven first came to the company, it was the best year. Mm-hmm. I, I, and actually, to get back to your other question about angles, Anything that Raven did with uh, Tommy Dreamer was just awesome, too. So <laughs> I have to agree. Yeah, I mean, I that's, that was one of the best feuds. I don't think there's been a feud in wrestling like that since, like, you know, Buzz Sawyer and Tommy Rich back in the Georgia days. Yeah. Um, is there, is oh. that on tape? Is have it on you been tape? able to find it? Rich and... Uh, match. But no, nobody has it. Everybody has called here for years, and I don't think anybody has it. <laughs> Fucking Oli. Fucking Oli. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he burned the footage. <laughs> Unbelievable. What are your memories of the the double shot they ran at the Hammerstein Ballroom, the tag team tournament? Because it was never on a a major release. But I know you did a fan cam of the show. So what you yeah, we have about? it on DVD. The August twenty fifth and twenty sixth shows. They were awesome. They were the first time I believe that the company went to that venue with Hammerstein, and I mean the place was packed, and it was an awesome venue for wrestling, and it still is to this day. So uh, those shows were just really really good. I remember a funny story real quickly. Besides getting to the show itself, but I remember Paulie taking me aside, and uh, I had a set deal with ECW to pay him a you know, certain amount of money every time we would set up at the venues and stuff like that. I remember Paulie, the night of the show, took me outside, and uh, he tried to tell me that the mafia owned the building, and that because the uh, mafia was there, that 
I had to give him an extra percent of uh, the gate off the merchandise and stuff like that, which I kind of found was funny. And, you know, I paid the guy, and I made really good money that night. So it was a great weekend for money. <laughs> What are what what are your thoughts of uh, how the ECW product changed from when they were just running pay per views till they got the TNN deal? I thought TNN was going to be huge. Showed a lot of other people for the company, and it just turned out to be everything that ECW wasn't about. I remember watching the TNN show and you know, comparing it to the syndicated show. It was horrible. It was a lot watered down, and probably could have do a lot of stuff on TNN that you know we thought he was going to be able to do. We thought once you know ECW went national that the fans were going to be, like, uh, I guess a lot more fans were going to show up at the buildings and attendance would increase and everybody would be making more money. And we just thought it was really going to be the next big thing and you know, eventually overtake WCW in, in many ways. And it actually didn't happen and just kind of killed the company. So, so what were was, you doing? Yeah, TNN TN was definitely one TN of the was days. bad. <laughs> it was bad. As George Animal Steele would say, bad. <laughs> so, um... Speaking of that, when when did you first start getting into shoot interviews? Probably around, the, uh, probably like 96 when ECW was, just started getting hot. I remember reading Wade Keller's The Torch, and he'd do all these interviews with the guys, and I said, you know, we should do this concept and just do it on video. So we pretty much started doing interviews. I think our first guy, I can't even remember if it was New Jack or Louis Piccoli, but I, I know it was It was one New of the, Jack. Was it? Okay, see, I didn't even know my yeah, product. Yeah, New Jack. Yeah, so, and I know we did Bill Alfonso and Tommy Rich all around the same period, and then it just took off from there. Well, um, what's your favorite quote from any shoot that you've done? Hmm. And then I'll tell you mine. Uh, without a doubt, Tully Blanchard interview, where he talked about wrestling 365 days a year and twice on Sundays and how he would cut his uh, forehead with a razor for the people. And just his, his whole demeanor of that interview was awesome. And I was a huge Horseman fan, so sitting there with Tully was a great experience. Um, but I would say the Tully Blanchard line about, you know, bleeding for the fans and working the holidays and all that stuff. So what was yours? Um, Axel Rotten, 1997, when he called R- Rat- star Billy Graham, the, the innovator of steroids. Yes. I thought gonna... line. Yeah. Or, or, you know, be, be like a, be like the girls and fuck one of the boys. Right. That, you know. I remember Axel said that uh, somebody asked him how he got into the business, I think it was my first question, and he said he was a male yep. ring rat or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I was a ring rat. I fucked one of the boys again. Man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, what are your memories I mean, of the Arn Anderson shoot interview? Oh, that day was great. I mean, we flew out to his home, and he picked us up at the airport, and uh, I was with Doug at the time. And usually when we, when we have something scheduled for an interview, we just go right to the, the person's house or the hotel, and we set up right away. But Arn picked us up at the hotel, and he said he wanted to get a quick workout in. So uh, we he, he was in his car driving us around, so we were stuck with him. And it's not like we didn't want to be with Arn Anderson. The guy's a legend. He took us to his gym to work out, and we sat in the waiting room, and we watched him lift weights. It was very boring. And I remember it was freezing outside, and we got done the gym, and he took his shirt off, and we're driving around. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning at this period of time, and it's freezing out. He's got his windows down. He's, you know, free, he's, it was freezing in his car. He's sweating. I thought he was going to get sick. And uh, he, he stopped at 7-Eleven and got himself some beer and stuff like that. And then he pulled up to the house, and he's like, all right, let's do this. And uh, he gave us a great interview. But the only thing about the interview that I didn't like, it was kind of like his book. He kind of worked us a lot. He didn't really want to, you know, openly talk about the business because of his position with WCW at the time. So the interview, he could have... He still doesn't. Yeah. He still doesn't. He really protects the business a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, I think he's probably the last last of the quote-unquote old-timers that, that really holds on and, and just doesn't let it go. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's good in a way because I, I like to see the business protected, but I don't know. 
you know, whatever. It still was a good interview, and he gave us enough material to make profit on the DVD. <laughs> well, we we did we did lose a brother a couple weeks ago or a week ago, Gary Hart. Yes. Um, the shoot interview was amazing. Oh, you like it? Good. Oh, good stuff. And there was also one that Wrestling Classics did as well. Never seen Mark Humperdinck, the manager one. They talked about managing, and it was good stuff. Um, any Gary Hart stories? I didn't really know him until that day. It was the first time I met him, and um, I, other than seeing him on TV all the time, I was a huge fan of him when he was in WCW and managed Muda and the JTEX, Terry Funk. So I didn't really know him, and then I, I did the interview with him in August down in Charlotte, and I talked to him a bunch of times on the phone afterwards. And, you know, I always found him very knowledgeable, and he had a lot of good ideas. And I told him that I was going to, you know, probably be restarting a company. And Gary Hart was somebody that I was going to use as far as, like, picking his brain. And I was going to bring him up and, and try to have him do stuff behind the scenes for us. But, uh, he, you know, I just found out he passed away as well, like, you know, the day that after it happened. We actually we did an interview with him again on Saturday, the night before he passed away. He was up in town doing an autograph session. And uh, we had a sit-down Q&A with him and um, Bill Irwin. And also scanned Iraq bar, so then he passed away the next day, so it was kind of depressing. How long does it you take to research for your shoot interviews? Because one of the things I noticed is that you're very, very into details with your shoot interviews. So how long does it take you to research? Uh, it takes about a day's worth of work. So a lot of the stuff we come up, you know, right off the top of our heads, and the other pretty much 70% we research. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So what, what's been your favorite shoot interview, and what's been your worst shoot interview? Uh, the worst shoot interview of all time is a tie between Terry Gordy and Jimmy Snuggia. Um Terry Gordy was, yeah, it was just a horrible interview. They didn't really talk, and Terry Gordy was like pulling teeth. We had to give him his own answers. He was kind of brain dead. Um, the best interview of all time, I get asked that Snow. question. Al Snow was pretty good, but... I don't know about that. I'm a huge Al Snow mark, so if really? you look in my bedroom, I have every piece of Al Snow memorabilia with Ed. Well, really? well, we're doing another interview with Al very soon, so you'll be happy. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Yay. I say the best be autographed copies. Yes. Autographed copies. I will oh, get autographed awesome. copies. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'd say Roddy Piper well, as far as the best one, just because I'm really? the biggest Piper mark, and uh, I don't know as far as content, but it was just an honor sitting with Roddy Piper. Mm. How about the uh, Billy Jack Haynes shoot? That, that was, was a very scary. Shit. Yeah. That, that was, was heavy. Yeah, it was very heavy, and I was scared for my life, and I didn't know if uh, he was going to turn on us at any moment. He was fucking out there. Mm-hmm. I can curse because you guys really? curse, so. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's internet radio, brother. <laughs> How many listeners now, do you guys have, anyway? You know, that's a good question. Um, our largest download so far is over 600 for Supreme from XPW. Good deal. Cool. And no you guys figure. promote this, right? Oh, yeah. Good. All over. Good deal. Good All deal. over. Heavily. Heavily. But um, how did you tell come me up about with the concept of Face-Off? Face-Off? I told uh, him to do something differently. Um, we did interviews, and, you know, there's not so many guys left out there that we do interviews with. I mean, we have a list of them, and, but it's running low. So we figured, what could we do to, you know, brighten the future of DVD releases? And we needed a new concept. So I was like... Why don't we just get two guys and have them sit down, and I won't even be part of it. And Raven always wanted extra paydays from us, so he had, uh, I guess, <laughs> told us that he wanted to host the tapes and stuff like that. And we did a couple with him, and then I said, you know, I don't really need Raven. I could do it with anybody. And that's how Face Off came about. We, you know, The most successful one that we did so far was with Sheik and Honky and New Jack. What are your feelings on that Face Off? 
That one was insane. <laughs> I, I didn't even, I had a list of questions and I didn't even have to use it. I just put the camera on and I sat back. Okay, yeah, your next but... one is, your next one is Terry Funk and Steve Carino. Yes, that will be out in about a week and a half. How did you get those two boys together? Terry was in town doing a bunch of autograph sessions, and I was trying to think who would be a good person to sit Terry down with. And Of course, there's a zillion guys that I would love to have with Terry Funk. And um, Unfortunately, at the time that he was coming in, there was nobody available, so I had to try to get somebody that was going to be local. It was either going to be the Sandman and Terry Funk, which I don't think would have been very good, and then I was like, you know, Steve Carino only lives like a half hour from me, so Steve and Terry have a great history, and uh, I know Carino's a huge old-school type of fan, and I thought his knowledge would be awesome with Terry Funk, so I just called up Steve and I said, do you want to sit down and interview Terry Funk? And he said, yep, 100%, I'm in. And uh, the interview was just awesome. I don't know if you guys seen the YouTube clip, um, but it's really good. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to let the cat out the bag, Rob. Okay, but who, who would you like to see do a face-off? Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, because it's going to happen in the next couple of months. We're going to do uh, Jake the Snake, Raven and um, Kevin Sullivan all together. Ooh. Oh wow! So that's gonna <laughs> be awesome. Yes. Yeah, that should be pretty good. <clears throat> your your dream face off? What would it be? Dream face off. Mm-hmm. Something that will probably never happen. Uh. Yep. I would say Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff. <laughs> never. You know what? You never know. You may see that on twenty four seven. Or Vince McMahon and Paul Heyman. Well, that'd be fun. Yes, but Paul Heyman. When are we going to get the Paul Heyman shoot? Who? When are we getting the the Paul Heyman shoot interview? I have offered Paul a substantial amount of money, and he has no interest in doing anything in wrestling right now. So, trust me, I've tried. I've talked to him a billion times, and uh, as of right now, he says no. (laughs) Okay, so um, I want to go back to a little bit of ECW questions. Um, Definitely. Now, your time with the BWO at 7-Eleven, how did that come about? And then uh, what are some of your memories of doing that? Um, I think I was just joking around with Raven, and I said, well, why don't I be, like, the X-Pac type of guy? I'll go get a wig. And he's like, yeah, we'll call you, like, three and a half. And I was like, yeah, why don't we just call me 7-Eleven? I think it's even funnier. And he said, well, go tell Paul and see what Paul says. And I told Paul, and Paul liked the idea. And then the first time I ever did it was in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, and it was awesome. And it was a lot of fun doing the BWO gimmick with those guys, except, uh, for whatever reason, they didn't ever let me get on the microphone and talk, except like only one time. And I guess everybody just started out in the business, like Stevie and Meany and Nova, and they wanted the spotlight since they were there with the characters first. So I was always in the in the back, and I never really got a chance to talk on the mic, which kind of was disappointing. But um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the best part of being part of the BWO was doing the Monday Night Raw when uh, WWF invited all the ECW guys up to promote the first barely legal pay-per-view. And we got to go to Raw, and it was my first time really backstage at a WWF event and saw how that was all run, and we got in a limo. And after the show was over, we all went to New York, and Paulie took everybody out for pizza. So it was a fun deal. <laughs> so what happened to the footage? I have the footage. It's on the best of the BWO tape. Is it? Oh, yes. awesome. Yep, yep. It's actually a three-hour compilation of all the BWO stuff and uh, behind-the-scenes stuff that I filmed at WWF that night. Wow. Yes. What projects were you into after the folding of ECW? What was that? What what projects were you into after the fold of ECW? What projects? Yes. I didn't understand the question. What do you mean, like? Oh, like uh, well, 
were you involved in any other wrestling companies before your time with the Ring of Honor? Oh, okay. After ECW Photo, what we were doing, we were pretty much just filming indies. Um, when I was with ECW for like seven or eight years, we didn't really film anything else. We just always knew about Jersey All Pro and other companies out there. But uh, when ECW ended, we were like, all right, what are we going to do now? And um, we researched what other indie companies are around our area, and we made deals with uh, a lot of the companies to start filming their shows. And we were just trying to get our hands involved in everything. And um, so we weren't really, per se, working with anybody exclusively. We were just doing a lot of you know merchandise tables at shows and filming shows here and there. But we didn't really have any deals. And then about a year after all that took place, 2001, December, that's when I said, you know what, I'm tired of going to all these indie shows, and we know no, enough about the business, and we can run shows a lot better than, you know, a lot of the companies that were going on at that time. And uh, that's when I came up with the idea of, you know, Ring of Honor and starting up our own company. Cool. Yeah. So, now, I, I know that the APW King of Indies um, 2001 was a, was a major influence on you, and um, would you like to just talk about the, the feelings that you got while watching that show on tape? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember watching it, and I never saw Samoa Joe before. Of course, I saw Loki, uh, American Dragon. Was he on that show, the APW show? Yes, he yes, was. Okay. Well, I saw. Finals. Yes, I saw him when I went down to Texas to do the Shawn Michaels uh, shoot interview. Uh, Shawn let us go to a couple of his shows and film, and I saw him and Spanky, and uh, I knew the kid was, you know, a true talent. And um, I watched a lot of the APW tournament, and a lot of the guys. Uh, who else was in the tournament? Joe Key, Dragon, Mike Modest, Modest Morgan, Masaro, yep, uh, <clears throat> Scoot, I think was in there. But it, yeah, was, I don't it was a who's who, and I'll tell you, Rob, I was there, man, and it was insane. Oh, I've yeah. never seen anything like that. I and remember I watching Loki and Samoa Joe, and it was you know one of the stiffest matches I've ever seen. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that influenced as far as getting a couple of the guys into the company, but that wasn't like the whole influence of Ring of Honor, you know. Ring of Honor came from just going around to indies for a year and making a list of like, what guys could really, you know, perform and who we think we could mold in the stars, just like Paulie did. And But uh, that, that, as far as the style goes, we wanted to present wrestling as a sport again. That was one of the big things because myself and Doug were wrestling fans and we hated the cartoonish aspect that WF was presenting and um, WCW, of course, around the same period of time was just horrible. Um, but actually, they already went out of business, right? <laughs> but um, we wanted to present wrestling, just something that we liked growing up, like UWF and Mid-South and a Japanese style. So, okay. I remember wow. when uh, I, I'm, I'm bringing it back to UCW again. I'm sorry, but uh, no, it's, it's I remember, cool. I remember in uh, 2000 when SCW, when ECW ran out here in Los Angeles. They had the the famous XPW invasion. I remember seeing uh, Jasmine St. Clair come into the building. Actually, yeah, it was Jasmine. She was backstage. I think she wasn't working for them anymore. And she was at the uh, gorilla position. And we had, I guess, Charlie and Ronnie, they were the camera guys for ECW. And we had the cameras on all the XPW people. I think Christy Miss was in the audience and uh, Supreme. And I forgot who else was there. But Jasmine was telling Paulie, like, these are the guys that are going to start the problems, and you got to watch them the entire show. And then, of course, I think it was during Dreamers' match, and Justin, that's when uh, they started doing their thing. And I'll never forget Jack Victory and Balls Mahoney and a bunch of other guys, and I think New Jack was there. I think he was there. Um, yep. They they all ran out, and Paulie ran out. And I I seen the entire thing right in front of me unfold as they got escorted out of the building. And then uh, I remember Jack Victory just, 
beating the hell out of one of the guys, just punching him. Rent, oh, it, was, it was sick. It was awesome. <laughs> it was a good brawl. It was one of the craziest things I've ever witnessed. Mm, I have to agree. Yeah. Uh, that It was insane, you know, while watching at home, you know, we just see this this little little fracas in the front. Oh, what happened behind you the scenes is even better. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, Rob, where was your fan cam? Yeah, I know, for real. I could have made a lot of money on that. Damn. Yeah, yeah. and then some. <laughs> exactly. And then some. <clears throat> All right. So um, we're we're on the subject of XPW. Um, right. Do you follow the product at all? Not at all. Like I, I would get the tapes of it and watch it here and there, but I really never could get into it. I don't know. It was just to me, it was like a company that wanted to be like ECW, and the booking wasn't that good. Rob Black had no clue what he was doing. He was just a big, you know, money mark pretty much. Um, they had good ideas, and you know, they wanted to be ECW so bad, but um, it just didn't work out for them. But I mean, I like the I, people involved in the company now, Kevin Kleinrock and all that. You know. Oh yeah, they're they're starting up again in May. Yep, and I bet if it draws well, that there will be some more shows. Well, I like I've told Alex and I've told everybody else, this is a test run. Uh, yep. They're going to do it for DVD sales. If it works, they're going to run quarterly every three exactly. months. Exactly. Exactly. And because Kleinrock doesn't do nothing unless he wants to get paid. Yep. Without a doubt. You know, and that's that's the truth. And those uh, those people that are listening, we will have XPW week. Uh, looks like it would be April 8th and 10th will be I'm, XPW week. I'm curious so if Rob Black will be there. No. <laughs> I will not book Rob Black for my radio show. Gotcha. I do have taste. <laughs> but oh, did you see uh, any, of the, any of the lineup for that show, Rob? I, I know that uh, New Jack and Cronus are going to be back together again. Um, no, no, it can't be Cronus. Uh, New Jack. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. I don't even know. What I said. Yeah, that would be a little bit weird if Cronus showed up, wouldn't yeah. it? That would that be would strange, be, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be very strange. I meant to say uh, Mustafa, but uh, I didn't see the lineup. I know they got Sabu and they're bringing Vic Grimes and pretty much everybody else that was there. I know Shane Douglas has to work that night at Target, so <laughs> that's not nice. No, I mean I'm being serious. He really does. Does he really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> oh, you didn't. You didn't know that's what he did for a living now. No, I just didn't think he'd be working that night. Yeah, no. Because I, I don't know. I kind of I kind of blocked that out of my memory because Shane was one of from the. I've told the story on here before. I went to a WCW house show in like '92, '93, and it was the Hollywood Blondes against Steamboat and uh, Douglas. And I always loved Steamboat because he had awesome gear, but Douglas never came to my. I mean, Steamboat never came to my side, so I couldn't shake his hand. <laughs> but Shane Douglas did. And ever since then, I was a huge Shane Douglas fan. I just can't. Imagine him working at Target now. Yeah, it's actually good, though. You know, he got out of the business and he was able to do something. Yeah, that's someone I'd love to have on the show, though, because I'm, I'm just a really big Shane Douglas fan. Yeah, he's a good guy, and he's smart, too. So His, his promos were just so amazing. And then uh, he was a very vital part of ECW because uh, I, I just remember a lot of his big feuds against uh, Al Snow and Bam Bam Bigelow and right. the war. And then uh, him and the original Sabu night that I was crossed. Days. Yep, that yeah. was another thing you guys asked me about. One of the, my, my favorite angles and my favorite ECW show of all time had to be uh, the night the line was crossed at the arena with the three way the first time ever. I thought that was awesome. What was yeah, the um, thought going on in the arena that night? Because that was uh, a lot of people say that was the first time that a, a three way match had happened. What were some of your memories of that match? Uh, the match itself was awesome. I remember the interview they did later that night at the hotel really put the angle and the match over. Um, you know, but 
That, I think that was the first three-way dance ever in ECW. It was really good as far as the match went. And I remember the Brewers Brothers and Public Enemy wrestled that night as well, and they brought over all over the building. And that might have been ECW's biggest crowd up to that date. Because I remember just the, the place was packed, and, and the atmosphere was just amazing. I don't ever remember the arena being that crowded again. I'm sure, you know, the crowds were just in the same numbers, but as far as, like, the and the heat in the, the building was just awesome. Yeah, Shane Douglas has to be uh, one of my top guys. Speaking of Shane Douglas, uh, the time that Brian Tillman came into ECW, what, what are some of your memories of that? Uh, I just remember the fight backstage with him and New Jack <laughs> when the, uh, I guess the N-word was dropped and New Jack went to kill him and Paulie had to, like, beg New Jack not to kill Brian Tillman. I just remember Brian standing against the wall and uh, he had this big smirk on his face, and he just—he was pretty much antagonizing New Jack, and New Jack was about to kill the guy, and Paulie was able to restrain him, which was lucky for Brian Pillman. But I didn't really get to go to the other shows. I know he debuted in, uh, I think, Lulu Temple. As, well, he debuted at the arena, but then he did another angle at a different venue, and I wasn't there live for that one, so I couldn't tell you. But I remember he got a lot of heat, and he was doing the shoot-style gimmick on the microphone where he didn't know if he was shooting or whatever. But I, I think if he stayed with the company, it would have been awesome. Has New Jack ever scared you personally? Has he ever scared me? Per- oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> you never know where he's going to come from. He actually just called me tonight, and uh, he, he just got a chance to finally watch our Dudley shoot interview. He's never seen it before. Somebody sent him oh, a copy. Yeah, and uh, he went ahead and watched it, and then he cut his own promo, which I'm not sure what website it's on. I know it's on YouTube, and uh, it was like a seven-minute promo on, on you know, the Dudley boys and how he's going to get even with them for saying what they said about him on our shoot interview and whatever, but... Um, to answer your question, because I'm totally going off subject, New Jack has scared me on a lot of occasions. <laughs> He's one when guy you don't first... want to get. <laughs> when did you first start getting into Japanese pro wrestling? Because one of the first uh, memories of myself watching Japanese pro wrestling is at the end of your videos, you used to put like a compilation uh, yeah. little video together. And I remember I saw uh, Kawada Masawa for the first time on one of those flips, and that was actually what got me interested in Japanese pro wrestling. So when, when did you first get into Japanese pro wrestling? The first time would be when I, one of my very first trades as a fan, I just got a bunch of Japanese stuff with like Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask, and you know I was hooked mm. right from that point. I was when wrestling in New Japan and All Japan was just awesome. Like, I, honestly, I couldn't tell you any of the guys that are over there now. I don't watch Japanese wrestling. I haven't watched it in years. I don't get tapes of it. and. You know, I, I kind of like lost interest in the whole Japanese product, but um, I guess the early 80s stuff was awesome, and the 90s stuff, and of course when Wing and IWA Japan and uh, FMW, I mean, I remember watching that stuff all the time at our table at ECW events, we would bring our TV monitor, and we would just have all the bloodiest stuff on for the you know the guys to watch before the shows would start, and, but uh, I was a big fan of FMW. Yeah, that stuff was crazy. Oh, that was, was awesome. That was- that's hardcore wrestling for me. Not oh, yeah. the crap that Zandig does. That's hardcore because they use psychology. Right. Yeah, you know, Zandig has zero psychology. Right. And I will bury CZW all day and all night. John Zandig doesn't because... know anything about professional wrestling. The only reason there is CZW is because he's not a real wrestler and he can't work for any other companies because nobody is stupid enough to book the guy. So he had to start up his own wrestling company, and um, he has no clue about the wrestling business. And he's, he had some decent talent in his company, and he still does. Some of the guys are wrestlers, but, you know, I'm not knocking CCW, uh, the wrestlers. I'm, I'm knocking the management because there is no management. He lets the guys run his locker room. I've been there. 
I've seen the way he operates his business, and I can tell you firsthand that John has no clue about the wrestling business, and uh, that's why CZW will never be any bigger than it is, and that's why it's declined so much. But uh, that's my little rant on John Zandig. <laughs> okay. How is um, hold on. How, I, I want to get I want to get into this really oh, quick. How, how sure. has the internet affected your business? Because I remember uh, when, when I back in the day I used to because I bought a ECW tape from you, and then I used to get uh, I guess I guess you'd call them newsletters from you. It would be uh, yeah. full of you know, all the tapes that you had, and this is before you know the internet was really big. And then I remember you used to have a hotline. Yeah. Because I didn't get ECW TV at the time, so I used to have to call your hotline to find oh, wow. out what was going on at ECW. That's awesome. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been following you for a long time. So well, how has your uh, how has it changed now that you're on the the internet is booming it, now and it's helped like us. That. It's helped us a lot, but it's also hurt. I mean, there's a zillion websites out there that are bootlegging stuff. Um, you know, that's how I started, so I can't really knock it. Um, but it's it's helped us save a lot of money because when we used to do those publications, the newsletters, it would cost like thirteen thousand dollars to seventeen grand every seven weeks just to put the, them out. And now everything is done online. We have e-newsletters that we do, which is you know what, 100, 200 bucks to put out. Um, it reached the same amount of people, if not more. So I mean, it, it's really helped us. Yeah, and we got a lot of you know publicity and, and ads on different websites. But the only thing that's hurt us is just like you know the different websites that go ahead and advertise our stuff on message boards and people are trading around. So, but uh, you know, it hasn't really hurt our business a lot. But it's put a little dent in there. But there's nothing you can really do, and I guess you just got to look at it as people trading your tapes around and just get your name out more. Mm-hmm. Okay, well we're gonna we're gonna go back to Japan. Um, my favorite time period was Michinoka Pro '96 to early '97. The mass tournament. What was? Oh yeah, the mass tournament. Jerry Lynn. Yeah, Good exactly. Stuff. Um, what was your favorite time period? I would say. 94, 95. All Japan? Yeah, all Japan. I don't know what year it was. Was it uh, Gordy and Williams versus Footloose, Quada, and uh, what year was the finals of that tournament? 93, I think. Was it 93? 93. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember that being one of the, you know, the best matches I've ever seen, so, but. I'm I'm really not too into the heavyweights. Um, Right. Oh, yeah, I I like like, like the, the juniors. Um, then you like the Jacob. <laughs> oh, well, who doesn't like Jacob 94? Yeah. yeah, that was one Jeez. of the best wrestling shows of all time. I, I say 94 yeah. is one of my favorite years for, for Japanese wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm going to go on the record, and I want you to go on the record. Who's your favorite junior of all time? My favorite junior of all time, I would have to say Jushin Liger. Jushin Liger. Yeah. Alex, yours? Favorite junior? Wow. Um <laughs> I'm not I'm not that into the junior stuff. I mean, Dynamite Kid. Yeah, but he was also a heavyweight here in the States. But I guess, I mean, if you're going to include him, he's definitely one of my top as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna have to say Sasuke because he was just so yeah, influential. He was, he was awesome. You know, he was so. just doing all kinds of flippy, flippy, floop, flu, and all this shit that I've never seen. I was like, wow. I mean, I've seen Tiger Mask before him, but he took things to a whole new level. Um, especially in 96 when he did the Bob Wire explosion match with Onita. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, this, is, this isn't going to work. You got this, this super junior flyer against the garbage guy. How the hell is this going to work? But they pulled it off. Yeah, it was a good match. I don't think any of those names compare to Jumbo Saruta for me. I mean, Jumbo Saruta, every time I watch one of his matches, 
I'm just in awe of what what he is and what he does. And <laughs> he put me to sleep, to be honest. <laughs> you know, the jumbo the jumbo that I remember was out here in San Francisco in '84 when he was the champion. He would he came in and defended a couple times. I think once with Bockwinkle and once with Martel before Martel won the title. And it was completely different from his All Japan style. Yeah. He toned things down and and they you know they went they went 30, but it wasn't head drop and they were just telling a nice story and it was it's something different <laughs> I actually got it but I was watching an old tape of mine the other day from uh, the first time all Japan ran the dome and it was uh, Masawa Kawada in the main but on the undercard they had a six man between I forgot what names were in there but it was a Jumbo Saruta and he was just old and broken down it was really unfortunate to see him in that condition because his stuff from 91, 93 uh, in the 80s I mean he was one of the top wrestlers I've ever seen I put him on the level of Flair. Oh yeah, he was definitely a legend, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, Rob, who is your favorite Japanese tag team, or pri- that worked primarily in Japan? Ah, uh, Footloose, Quadum, definitely. Really? Oh yeah, I thought they were awesome. No, together. no Miracle Violence, no uh, Gordy and Williams. Gordy and Williams were awesome too, but I, I liked Footloose for whatever reason. They had some really good matches. So, yeah, Masao right, and Quadum. How, Amer- how about American tag team? American tag team, anything mm-hmm. with uh, the Funks over there, and Brody and Hanson. Mm-hmm. So, are, okay, are, are you talking it? Japan or are you talking American? No, here, here, here in America. Oh, in, in the states. Um, Midnight Express. Yeah, without a doubt, Midnight Express okay. were awesome because Cornette we were all yeah, Midnight Express by far. They were the most entertaining tag team ever. <laughs> well, and by, I, I, I asked, I asked. Hold on, just a sec, Al. I asked this question to Jamie Dundee on the air, and he has a mutual. Part, part in each combination of the Midnight Express because his brother-in-law is Bobby Eaton. Right. And I asked him, which combination was his favorite? Bobby I and like, Stan or Bobby and Dennis? What's yours? Now, Stan and Bobby were more exciting, but I like the old school. I like Bobby and Dennis just because they were more brutal. I mean, they weren't as flashy and colorful, but you still had Cornette with them. But I, I also think they had better matches with the Rock and Roll Express, and the heat was greater than when Stan Lane came in. Mm-hmm. I have to agree. And the, the Watt stuff was awesome. Oh, I mean, they yeah. lit that territory on fire. That yeah, was good stuff. I don't want to go watch some old tapes. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> there you go. Old, All right, Al. What are your feelings on the current uh, American independent wrestling scene? It's horrible. It's, uh, oh, God, don't even get me started. Um, I've been going to a lot of shows <laughs> almost every weekend for the last, what, ever since uh, 2004 when I got out of Ring of Honor. Um, and indie wrestling is horrible. It's a lot of young kids out there that go and buy tights off of uh, websites and think they're professional wrestlers. Nobody really knows how to go in there and tell a story. They think wrestling means going off the top rope and doing is going in 360s, and um, it just it's really depressing because a lot of independent promoters they have never really been anywhere in the wrestling business. They have money, so they go ahead and think they're a wrestling promoter and run shows. When if you've never been in a wrestling company, if you've never learned from veterans and you've never been in a part of a territory, how can you promote a successful company? And, you know, there's a formula I've always said, and I've always believed it, and it's true, that, you know, to run a successful company, you need to know about the business. You need to know the formulas, what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, a lot of the wrestling shows that we go to are run by fans that have money or, or wrestling, you know, promoters that have never worked for a major company or never had the influence of somebody to teach them. So it's it's really depressing, and like I said, it's a lot of kids now. Um, 
on the independent scene. There's a lot of great wrestlers out there, and there's a lot of great workers out there. Don't get me wrong, but the state of indie wrestling is, is really sad, and um, I don't think there's a lot of companies out there that are really going to be successful in the future either. It's a lot of the well, same let's, stuff. Let's go here. We have out here in uh, San Bernardino, Jesse Hernandez, right. WWF. He's solid. Well, we have Ring of Honor. Right. We have um, IWA Mid-South, and we have right. Kara. I think those are the four. Oh, well, kind of Gorilla. I don't – Gorilla's Gorilla. Right. There's those four companies. Do you see anybody on the horizon trying to, you know, catch up and, and go up against Vince? No, there's no – no one's ever going to be able to go up against Vince. I think he's always going to be in a league of his own. TNA is never going to be uh, – you know, they're never going to be anything other than what they are. They're going to be the WCW light. <laughs> Um, and it's a shame because TNA has the greatest talent right now. I mean, uh, besides Vince, I mean, they have a lot of great talent. Just the booking is it's horrible. I mean, they booked it. It's a comedy show, not wrestling. So, um, All right, and it, Rob, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot. Yes. If Dixie Carter offered you the TNA book, would you take it? Without a doubt. But that will never happen because I've already talked to her. And uh, it wasn't about that. <laughs> but um, we, we've talked, and I've, I've talked with a lot of people over there, and there's just a lot of people in that company that would not want anybody else in there because everybody's starting for their job, and they'd rather protect their job than better you know, the company. And obviously, it, when it comes down to his paychecks and everybody wants to stay at the same pay level, so no one's going to want to really help the company. Everyone's really out for themselves and helping themselves rather than the company where if they help the company, they could all make money in the long run. But, uh, I mean, the TNA product is, is just really, really bad. I, I've watched a TV show. I, I actually I never watched a TV show until like six months ago. Um, I don't know what made me start watching it. I guess reading all the bad reviews, I wanted to see if it was really true that the TV was as bad as it was. And, my God, it is the worst crap I've ever seen. It's confusing. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, if you're an average fan, to me, I'm just confused how Christian Angle and all those guys are, and AJ, they, one, minute, one week they're teaming and then the next week they're feuding. and It's just it's a bunch of crap. Uh, the the only reason I watch is to get my Curry Man fix. But yeah. Other than that, and it's crazy because they have great talent, and they have like you know Shelly and Saban and you know Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe, AJ. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's the potential is there, and if they changed it, they could do something different. But you know, they aim to get the WWE guys, and it makes no sense that they put over WWE at every chance they get with Shark Boy doing Steve Austin, and you know I could go on and on, but it's just TNA. I don't know. We'll see what happens with them. Their live shows, from what I understand, are a lot better than their TV shows. So yeah, yeah that's what I've been hearing. The house shows have been tearing it up. They just yeah. been, they just go. I mean, they, and they don't. There's there isn't any booking per se. They just get right. finished, and that's it. Right. So it'd be a lot it, more entertaining if uh, Teddy Hart was booking the company. What's that? It'd be a lot more entertaining if Teddy Hart was booking the company. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. yeah Alex. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> Is Teddy Hart a shoot, or is he a work? Is he a sh- he is a shoot, 100%. I love Teddy Hart. But uh, what you see is what you get, and Teddy Hart is uh, Teddy Hart. Is Teddy Hart. He's definitely different than any individual I've ever met. I love the guy to death because he's hilarious, and, you know, I love talking to him. He's He loves his own character. I guess his character is his personality, if that's what you're asking. But uh, he's crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, Rob, uh, we got to wrap it up. Your hour is up. Damn. I'm um, coming back next week. i got a lot more to say now. <laughs> Maybe we can get you booked towards the end of April. Yeah, you let me know when. Awesome. Awesome. It was a fun time, and Definitely. thanks for coming on. And I'll do the plug for you. This one's easy. Yeah. www.rfvideo.com. 
Cool. Rob, thanks for your time, brother. I really oh, appreciate having thanks you. Thanks for having show. me on. Anytime. All right. You take care now. Bye. All right. See you guys. All right. Bye. All right. Uh, all right, Alex. Pardon my French, but that was a fucking interview. <laughs> it was, it was random, but it was it was fun. But hey, it's Rob. You got to be all over the place. <laughs> and we will yeah. we will get him back in late April. I'm going to pencil awesome. him in right now. Um, definitely my pleasure to have him on. The uh, the ECW talk was good. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't couldn't quite get in there to tell him that you were influenced by Shane Douglas. Yeah, um, and then honestly, like uh, I got into a lot of wrestling through Rob because, like I said, Rob used to send out the the I guess you call them newsletters. I guess they, they were tape updates or whatever. What tapes he had gotten in, and he sent them via the mail. And then uh, I bought a lot of tapes from him back in the day, a lot of ECW TV. He still sells ECW TV tapes. And then uh, it was awesome, awesome stuff. And then, yeah, Rob, Rob's awesome. That was good stuff. Very good interview. Now we're waiting on our second guest, the Human Tornado, to call in. Um, I wanted to get Tornado on on a Tuesday because Thursday seems to be a travel day for him. <laughs> I'm anxiously awaiting this interview because uh, Human Tornado, from the first time I saw him in 2006, I think it was, 2007, he's awesome. I love Human Tornado. Yeah, that's good stuff. Let's see here. All right. We are waiting for Tornado to call in. It is, let's look at the time here. Uh, 8.01. 8.01 is the time. And how about we play a commercial? I haven't played a commercial for a while. <laughs> I guess maybe maybe our sponsors would, would like us to play them. So here we go. It's now a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for action figures, pro wrestling books, pro wrestling gear, title belts, music CDs, T-shirts, replica belts, wrestling DVDs, wrestling masks, wrestling rings? If so, please visit WrestleWarehouse.com. WrestleWarehouse will be able to help you with all of your pro wrestling needs and make sure that you tell them that KZ from RubberGuard Radio sent you. Okay. One down. Here we go.
So I mean, that's that's no joke. <clears throat> well, Alex, let's gotta, uh, let's talk. You gotta get early talk, to your, let's your wrestling shows. Excuse me. You gotta get early to your wrestling shows. What's this deal with people showing up late? Yeah, no doubt, huh? No doubt. <laughs> well, let's 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 talk a little lucha. Let's talk about the LOII show from this past Sunday. How was it? It was it was a it was a fun fun show. We saw the main event, uh, Pandiero against uh, Mr. Tempest in a hair versus mask match, and uh, that match was awesome and brutal. And then actually, I was a referee for the uh, first and third match, and that was, <laughs> that was a very fun match. I actually refed. Uh, it was a funny story. Uh, the first match was out there, and they were circling each other, and I noticed they didn't have a ref. So I ran backstage and told the promoter, like, hey, you don't have a ref in the ring, and then he threw me a shirt and told me to get out there. So, uh, Did you get paid? <laughs> Did I don't you understand. get paid? <laughs> um, I don't understand Spanish, so um, it was a very unique and fun experience for me. Where was Jeff? <laughs> Jeff was Where was Nestor? Oh, Nestor oh. should have had your back. <laughs> Nestor? Who's Nestor? Oh, oh, um... Uh, the... Nestor, who was, uh, who was a fan of uh, Southern California wrestling. Yeah, that dude. <laughs> yeah, uh, Conner yeah. actually came down because he had worked the, the previous show, uh, the SoCal mm-hmm. Pro Show the night before, and then Chimera, he worked. Uh, it was uh, Chimera... And Pyrita Morgan against Octagon Cito and SoCal Crazy in an awesome match, and then that um, was fun. Was, was oh, it that fun was, with the little guys? It was it was real fun, and, and seeing Chimera and SoCal Crazy anytime they're in the ring, game, that's always a really really good match. Um, two two of the best luchadors in, in this area, in my opinion, and um, it, it was it was a real fun show. Uh, Lufisto was there; she took on the New York Knockout Nikki, and then uh, anytime you get to see Lufisto live, it's awesome. She's incredible. What do you think of Nikki? Uh, she, uh, she, she's good. I mean, like, I've seen her. I, I didn't get to watch that match because I was actually backstage. But uh, I was actually, I thought I was supposed to ref that match. But then another referee ran out. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. Anyways, um, it, it was a, uh, Nikki, I remember her match against Sholo really stands out in my mind as being a really, really good match. And then she had a, she had a pretty good match against Ryan Drago. And no, she, she's pretty good for what I've seen. I haven't seen much, but for what I've seen, she's pretty good. Well, you're going to get to talk to her on Thursday. Uh, excuse me? Nikki, yeah. Oh, okay. Nikki's going to be on the show. Okay. Yeah, uh, now, Nikki's going to be on the show with uh, Olafa, the Samoan tank, that big-ass motherfucker. Part of my language. He's big. He's a big dude. And uh, also Dylan Drake from up here. They're going to be plugging the upcoming Fog City show. And... uh Caesar Black, the one of the owners of Fox City, will be on the show as well, and they will announce uh, Nikki's opponent. So oh, I have the fun. feeling, I have the feeling it's going to be cheerleader Melissa. But really, you know, a, a, a guy a guy could hope. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching this, uh, the fan cam of a match between uh, Ariel Star Ariel Star and Scott Lost right now. <laughs> oh, that was the uh, Wrestle Warehouse version, right? Uh, <laughs> It's uh, some kind of a rubber guard radio version, I guess. It's, it's a it's a very interesting match. I have to say the quality oh, got, of the game was very good. Oh, do you, do you got your... I didn't think I sent you. You got it already, huh? Yeah, I got it. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. 
cool. Yeah, the beginning, the beginning of the match when Ariel Starr nailed that dive, man, that was a great shot. I mean, because that was right yeah. there, and I caught it. Yeah, it was. I was like, oh, man, yeah, so that match happen. was... You know, we're, we're going to have to pimp that and uh, Ricky Mandel and Adam Pierce from this past weekend for, for match, to, um, match of the year. Oh, man. We're yeah, that was a, it, it was a... Uh, I wasn't there. I haven't seen live. Uh, I wasn't there live for the Aerial Star Scott Lost match, but uh, live the Mandel-Pierce match. I mean, I'm excited for the SoCal Crazy Adam Pierce rematch, though, for the NWA title at the, the uh, anniversary show that Jeff's putting on. And then uh, he announced that Alcatraz is returning to take on Jason Redondo for the heavyweight title. And that should be great. And then, uh, yeah, Jeff's got a big show planned for his anniversary show, so it should be fun. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm awaiting that DVD release. I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I am waiting. And I think we may have Tornado on the line. Hello. Is this, is this the human Tornado? Yes, it is. Welcome to Rebel Guard Radio. How you doing, brother? I'm doing awesome tonight. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right, hey, Alex, what's up, you? it's your show. It is my show. <laughs> Are you giving the show to me? <laughs> no, my co-host. Hey, Alex, <laughs> how you doing? I'm doing all right. So, how, how did you get started wrestling, Human Tornado? Why don't you tell me how I got started in wrestling? <laughs> you started training, from what I understand, at the, the Rudos Dojo at Revolution Pro. But uh, how did you first uh, encounter wrestling in Southern California? Oh, you know, Southern California wrestling scene, you, know, you, you don't always have one, but there are times where it just really starts to be appealing. And I got into it when I was younger, uh, actually enjoying wrestling and seeing wrestling. And eventually, just took off with it. And so, uh, you, you trained at the, the Revolution Pro Dojo. Who, who was in your class when you were training? Why don't you tell me who was in the class when I was training? <laughs> I don't know particularly who was in your class, but I know a lot of the guys that was uh, training with you. Who? <laughs> I'm putting you to work tonight. <laughs> Take over, Al. <laughs> so who's on the line? What? <clears throat> There's got to be a rib. There's got to be a rib on the on the host. Hello. Hello? Um, okay, let's. Alex, are we back on? Yeah. Okay. Now, I have no idea what that was about. <laughs> I think I think someone's trying to rip us. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, do you know where the Do you know where the six oh nine area code is? Six oh nine. Yeah. No, I don't know that area code. I don't either. It's got to be a rib uh, on us. Well, that's unfortunate. Who? He doesn't know who he trained with. 
That's that's funny. Six hundred dollars. Where is that at? I got I got to look that up. That was good stuff. I'm looking at I'm looking it up now. Al. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Jersey. Who's from New Jersey? Who's man? I don't think he would be out in New Jersey. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> we got rigged on the air, dude. <laughs> it's probably one of those fags from the figure four board. But that's okay. There's nothing, Have you nothing wrong with that AWA on TV? I've been catching what I can. Um, not really, because I saw all those episodes religiously. So it's, you know, I, I would look at Meltzer's daily updates, and he would he would say who would be on, and um, I would catch the rocker stuff, um, and of course uh, Colonel DeBeers. <clears throat> but you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I, but it is that's one. It is good. Yeah, that's one thing I'm upset. I, ha- I don't have a direct TV anymore. I can't catch the episodes of AWA. I really want to see it. I haven't seen that much of that, that stuff. Oh, you know, the the problem is they don't play them in order. Oh, they that's don't? That's the problem. No, they're not in order. And, uh, you know, if they're gonna if they're going to do something like that, why why not just put them in order and you go right through so that you actually get the stories and the angles and everything, because their their storylines and angles weren't just one show. You know, they were they went they built the angles built and they built and they built and they built. I mean, how long was the program with the rock with the Midnight Rockers and Rose and Summers? Two years. Uh-huh. Oh wow. Two years. <clears throat> oh wow. So what what are your uh, so what are your uh, what what's some of the good, what's some of your memories that's brought back watching those shows? Uh, Colonel De Beers was such a dick. <laughs> he was a dick, and plus that promo that he cut on Scott Hall about the steroids was just classic stuff. Classic, oh really? Classic. Yeah, it's just classic stuff. But yeah, it's kind of strange. But it, you know, it was fun. Also, um, some some of the enhancement talent, you know, are people that we know. Like who? Uh, Jesse Hernandez. He was enhancement talent. He, yeah, he was a regular. Yeah. Yeah, he was on. He was on the first or second episode where he uh, he put over of uh, he put over Colonel De Beers in a match. Oh wow! Yeah. It was pretty good stuff. Uh, Jesse, you know, he's a solid worker. Uh-huh. You know, really solid. I, I, I enjoy his work. But, uh, okay, we have this gentleman from the 609 again. Um, I'm going to plug him in. <laughs> and you are going to speak with him. Hello. Okay, we're on the air. Who am Hi, I how you speaking doing? with? My name is Greg. Hello, Greg. Welcome to Rubber Guard Radio. How you doing? You know, a couple minutes ago I called, and then you just said, like, hello? Is this one human tornado? And honestly, who could not resist the opportunity to to do that, to just say yes? 
<laughs> and obviously, you, you, you people, I, I honestly, Human Tornado, I have watched you before. You are an entertaining man. I've never heard an interview. I don't know how you, you, I don't know what your voice is. So I just started talking. And obviously, I guess you guys have never heard. <laughs> Joke's on us. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> That's you know what I guess I guess I deserve that one. <laughs> I guess I deserve that one. <sighs> okay, now we were talking about AWA. Yes. Okay. Well, the show. What was what was different about those shows were that the the matches with the TV guys they went longer than than the than the WWF squashes. They actually got in offense. Which is kind of odd. Okay. Are you there, Al? Yes. Okay. Um, what we're going to do is I'm going to run down the upcoming schedule for the next couple weeks. Um, Thursday, March 27th, we're going to have the stars of Fog City Wrestling on Dylan Drake, New York Knockout Nikki, and Olafa the Samoan Tank. April 1st, we will have Sabian of the East Coast, Chikara, CZW, everywhere else. He's personally one of my favorite uh, junior heavyweights on the scene, and the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, your friend and mine, the Scrap Daddy, Adam Pierce. That's going to be a fun show. It should, be, it should be a real fun show. And then on Thursday, April 3rd, we are going to have a tag team wrestling roundtable with BetweenTheRope.com's Vito DiNucci, who is also part of the new Heavenly Bodies, and one half of the Heartbreak Express, Sean Davis. The four of us, we're going to sit down and we're going to dissect what it means to be a tag team wrestler. So, Alex, you're going to learn how to be a, you are going to learn how to be a tag team wrestler on that show. It should be an awesome show. Yeah, it should be fun. It should definitely be fun. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. On May 3rd, 2008, my wife Jessica will be participating in the Bay Area Brain Tumor Walk. My wife Jessica has overcome and has been brain tumor free for five months. Jessica is collecting sponsors for this very important charity, and if you would like to donate anything, please visit the website www.firstgiving.com backslash Jessica Trites Man. That's J-E-S-S-I-C-A-T-R-I-T-E-S-M-A-N-N. Once again, firstgiving.com backslash Jessica Trites Man. And also remember that this is a tax-deductible write-off. So please dig deep into your pockets and support this charity. Um, my family... And my wife, we would greatly appreciate it, and thank you. <clears throat> yes, uh, that that is a very serious cause. Um, my wife and myself, we're trying to raise money for um, brain tumor awareness. Um, like like I said, my wife is about almost six months tumor free. Um, oh, what the hell! I'll, I'll I'll just say it on the air. She had a pituitary gland uh, tumor which if you know anything about that gland, it's the gland that, that causes giantitis that made Andre so big and the big show so big. Um, she had it removed, 
before you know before she became a big giant and you know wanted to throw me around and shit. But yeah, um, it is a very you know it, it's a hell of a charity. They they help people. Uh, they're trying to build a rehabilitation center out here in San Francisco. So <clears throat> it's a pretty good charity. All right, uh, off the soapbox. So what else is going on now? Have you seen that Ring of Honor pay-per-view they've been there? To be honest, I only watched the Briscoes uh, Briscoe tag match against Rocky, and I think it was Roderick. The yeah. two out of three, and that was good. That was really solid. And then the um, the main event was just insane. That 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 face bump that Nigel took was just disgusting. He had that you know during the headlights look like right after, and the, it, they did it right. It was right in front of the camera too. So I mean. I know it wasn't it, it wasn't a planned spot like that, but fuck man, you couldn't get a better camera shot. What'd you think of that? Oh, I haven't, I haven't actually seen that. I've only made it through the first two matches. Um, as, as I do normally, Ring of Honor, I gotta I watch the first couple of matches and then I have to take a break, and then I watch some more and take a break, and I can't watch the Ring of Honor shows all the way through. Uh, the first match they did with Delirious and Brent Albright that was a, that was a, that was a good fun match. And then it broke down into a scramble match with a uh, with a uh, Adam Pierce and Jimmy Jacob. Oh, Adam Pierce and B.J. Whitmer. There's Jimmy Jacobs, Tyler Black, El Generico, Kevin Steen, and am I missing it with Jack Evans and Ruckus? And Jigsaw was mm-hmm. in there too, and uh, it, it, it got to be too much for me. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. why they have Adam Pierce in uh, scramble matches. <laughs> Oh, they they need someone large to catch those little guys outside of the dive. They're, <laughs> I mean, they're, no, well, if you if you think about it, they're the new Carnage Crew from from ROH 2002 because Carnage Crew would catch all the little Special K kids that were flying around. So yeah, they're they're a pretty good base. It's unfortunate just seeing Adam Pearce use them that way though. It kind of upsets me, but uh, yeah, wow, it's a lot of a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> I've never really been too big of a fan of the scramble matches. I was back in the day when it was when it was the SAT and you know the Backseat Boys and and all the all the little Special K kids because it was what it was. It was these guys doing flippy flippy foo foo bam 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 bam. It was what it was. It was when they started bringing in you know Dan Moff and and uh, BJ Whitmer as a team. It just didn't work. But. I mean, because those guys knew their spot in the card. They knew what it was. It was it was the high spot match. It was a spot monkey match, and that's what it was. And, you know, and then when they started bringing in the larger guys, it kind of fucked it up. But. <laughs> I've, I've never really been too big of a fan of uh, scramble matches. It's just too much. It's a sensory overload for me. I don't. Never really been too big of a fan of it. <clears throat> What else did you watch out of that package that I sent you? Um, I was watching some random. I watched the Nakajima uh, Chris Saban match. Actually, I just saw it. Oh, that was solid. It was really, really good. Yeah, that was pretty fun. And I, I actually got an OVW DVD, too, from uh, the Wrestling Gold Series. And that had a lot of really good stuff on it. That's that's all I've been watching lately. Hmm. What did I watch today? I watched the uh, WWE 24/7 Legends Roundtable WrestleMania. Oh wow! How was that? Um. 
it was pretty good because you you got opinions of guys that weren't there, like Dusty wasn't there, and then you got opinions right. from guys that were supposed to be there, but weren't. Oh really? Who was supposed to the be Freebirds, there? The Freebirds. The Freebirds were supposed to be on that show. Oh really? Who were they? What were they supposed to do? They they wouldn't they didn't say, but they were supposed to be with a David Wolf guy. Say that one more time. That uh, the manager of Cindy Lauper, David Wolf. Yes. Yeah, he was supposed to manage them. Oh wow! As a rock and roll tag team, but they fucked up somehow <laughs> and they got fired. I have been interested to see the Freebirds in the early days of WWF. See, there's one, two. I think there's two. Yeah, there's two matches that are available that you that you could have gotten off of 24/7. There's two matches only, if I remember right. And I don't even think there were any fan cams back then of those of their matches. Right. I remember seeing a clip because I remember after uh, the NWO invented, they did that thing. Uh, they, they did that, that music video trying to tell Vince not to bring the NWO, and they actually had a clip of uh, Michael Hayes walking down the aisle at a Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh, you know what? They, you know what? They played that clip. They played that clip. But in front, in front of Michael Hayes, about 10 feet ahead, was David Wolf. Oh, really? And then you yeah, see Michael Hayes coming down. Oh, okay. You'll see it. And, It'd be interesting to see how they would have used the Freebirds, because uh, when they had not bought the Freebirds, it, it would just be interesting. Because obviously they'd have, and, they'd have cartooned up the Freebirds. So. Well, they they had um, they had him with David Wolf, and he was the babyface, so so they probably they were going in as babyfaces, which is kind of weird. Mhm. Uh, they yeah. just don't work as babyfaces, you know. It's, it's just not my thing. Yeah. Uh, what what incarnation of the Freebirds was it going to be? Did they say it was going to be all three of them, or it was all three? Oh wow! So yeah, imagine... it was all three. Yeah, it it has been very interesting. My, it seems like Michael would have gotten over more because uh, a lot a lot of the companies they didn't. I don't think they like to use Michael because he wasn't the the best worker of the three. Usually the the worker the two workers that was Uber Buddy and uh, Terry, and they use Michael predominantly as like the mouthpiece. I can't really think of any uh, big, big angles Michael was in. He was actually wrestling in. Mm-hmm. It'd have been interesting. Terry Gordy to have a run in WWF, and he could have had some Terry Gordy and Hulk Hogan matches. Oh, jeez, he'd kill Hogan. <laughs> he would eat Hogan alive. They they would they would do the match. They would do the match one time, and that's it. They wouldn't even bring it around the horn because he would eat <laughs> Hogan alive. And I'm not saying because of not being a professional. I'm saying just by his style alone. You know, he's not a big, lumbering, slow giant, you know, like One Man Gang or Bundy or something like that. He's a big man that can go. Yeah. And he would make Hogan look really, really bad. But, yeah, that, that's just a personal opinion of mine. But <clears throat> Okay. Caller, whom am I speaking with? Hi, my name is Jerry. Okay, you're gone. Jeez, this is as bad as Meltzer on the <laughs> on Wrestling Observer Live. This is bad. <laughs> Jeez. All right, this is the Alex Saint Show. You get to interview me. What the hell? Have you seen the lineups <laughs> that uh, Ring of Honor is bringing to Florida? 
Um, actually, I did see them in the Melter update today. Um, it's cool that they're they're bringing in, you know, a lot more of the Dragon Gate talent, and they're not just working each other. You know what I mean? It's they they have the the Dragon Gate six man, then they have you know just tag matches against other people. Uh, let's see, let's find it here. Slow, slow, slow. Uh, there we go. Oh, here we go. We have uh, on the 28th we have Eric Stevens, Shima, and Go Shiyazaki against Roderick Strong, Davy Richards, and Rocky Romero. Now that's strange. That's really odd. It's an odd pairing. But I, I have the feeling that this match is going to steal the show. Steen and Generico against uh, Doi and Yoshino. That's going to steal the show. If you were in Florida that weekend, what, what, what shows would you go to? Ooh. Um, oh, fuck. Hall of Fame for sure. I would not miss that Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I would have to be out of my mind to miss that. Flair going in. You know, I mean, it's just the Briscoes, Gordon Soley. Oh, jeez, come on, dude. That's that that's my time. You know what I mean? It 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 would be if I would have known the lineup for that Hall of Fame ahead of time, I probably would have went to Mania this year. But they don't let the shit out. Yeah. You know, they they let out one name at a time, and it's like, dude, you know, that's a selling point for us older fans. <laughs> really, think about it. It would make sense to announce the whole whole Hall of Fame lineup, put it in with the package and whatever. So that you get the older fans and they bring their children. It makes sense. But since when does Vince do anything that makes sense? What are you expecting from this first TNA Live uh, TV taping this Thursday? It's not going to be good. Because they can't clean up blown spots. They can't edit it. And just by the nature... Just by the nature of uh, of half the roster, the way they work, there are chances, there are, you know, a big opportunity for missed spots, and they're going to be exposed. It's not a good thing because their their in-ring stuff is not that tight. With the, I mean, there's exceptions, but the majority, it's not tight. And they they have the advantage of post-production. So then now they're going to hurt when they go live. What are your feelings on uh, Kurt Angle? Uh, I don't know if you listened to Kurt Angle's interview on Between the Rows, but he was mentioning mm-hmm. that uh, versus Samoa Joe is going to be worked as uh, more of a mixed martial arts, almost like a UWFI match from what he was saying. So how do you say that's going to get over? What do you say that means for the future of the sport? Do you say it'll take off? Or? I, don't th- I don't think Kurt can do it. I don't think Kurt can do it. Um, I'm very sure. I, I don't think Kurt will be able to pull it off and make it believable. It's going to look silly. Really? Now, now if you were to put Joe in there with Brian Danielson with kick pads on, that's different. Or, right. or you, go back, you go back to the ROH, or hell, even King of Indies in 2001, Samoa Joe and, and Loki. Those guys, they blurred the fucking lines like Takata and Vader did back in the day. The lines were fucking blurred. And I don't see Angle being that type of a worker to be able to blur the lines. We'll definitely, we'll definitely be able to see when uh, 
they do that lockdown show. It should, it should be very interesting. It's, it's kind of interesting. It's like I saw a UWF match between uh, Takata and Bob Backlund, and then um, I remember seeing the Joe Loki match from back in the day, and I've not been as into it because I have seen UFC and what UFC is, and it's I've not seen that many workers be able to go in there and tell a convincing match. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? I can, I can tell that it was work. Mm. Well, I, I don't, I don't think that that this country is ready for a work shoot like that, um, and I don't think they ever will, because the the lines are it's definitely there's a there there is a wall there there's there's MMA and then there's pro wrestling and there's a definitive wall, and I don't see either way seeping into the other. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? So, so are you under the belief that UFC has never done a worse match? I'm not saying that. I know for a fact that a lot of the earlier matches were worked. Really? Yes. Huh. Yes. Would you go on to saying which ones you believe will work? Let's see. My memory is not good. But. Oh, fudge. Was it chemo? It was chemo and hoist. Chemo and hoist. That was a brutal match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was worked. Interesting. It's interesting mm-hmm. why they would have done that, though. Because they were building up. They never did a follow-up. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah. since, you know, since SEG sold to, um, to Zufa, it's became more of a... I know there. I know there are wrestlers, pro wrestlers out there that swear to work. Yes. But if it is, it's, it's kind of hard to believe with that much money going into it that you can't. You, oh, right. You're not going to yeah, work. So much money on the line. That's 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 uh, SoCal Pro Jeff's outlook on MMA. There's so much money on the line that it's got to be worked. Right. I don't think so. But if it is worked, there's the best fucking workers in the world. Got me convinced. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because, I mean, the, there's been a lot of times where results have happened to where you're like, you know, if Dana could have worked this, he would have. But, I mean, it's kind of interesting also that, you know, right when everyone thinks that UFC is going to go on a downturn or there's no big main events coming up, I mean, Dana always pulls a rabbit out of his hat. True. I mean, who would have thought, you know, 2008 would have been as big as what it is? I mean, 2008 seems like to me it's the most exciting year the UFC's had a while. What's I mean, the next big show? At, uh, the one, I think the one I'm going to in Vegas. Uh, well, other than May, the fight yeah. night coming up. Yeah, but I'm going to the, I got my tickets in uh, yesterday. Going to the UFC show. Uh, Jardine and Silva's the undercard and the main is BJ Penn, Sean Shirt. That should be a very, very fun night of fights. Vanderlei Silva and Keith Jardine, that's a, that's a toss-up. A couple of years ago it would have been Definitely, you know, in a pride ring, it would have been definitely, you know, Jardine has no right to even step in the ring with Vandalay. But now, I mean, I've seen Jardine, you know, uh, Jardine has a puncher's chance. And, I mean, Silva definitely some of the lusters off Vandalay. Not, not taking anything away from Vandalay, but, I mean, it's shown that he's, he's beatable. So, I mean, it should be, it should be very interesting. And Jardine's a mm-hmm. tough, tough man. 
I, I personally would not put any money on that fight. I wouldn't touch no. it. No. no. You just, you can't. You can't. Are you going to put your money on BJ? I hope BJ waxes the floor with Sean's shirt. And I bet everyone in Las Vegas will as well. I mean, uh, he's not a Sean Shirk fan at all. I mean, at one time, I felt empathy empathy for him at one point when he was fighting at uh, 185. And I remember when he went against Hughes. So Hughes, you know, outweighed him, you know, monstrously when they fought in Florida. And then uh, I actually felt bad for him, you know, because Shirk's a smaller guy fighting in a bigger weight class. And then Shirk pretty much pulled the Matt Hughes routine and cut weight and going to a smaller weight class where he shouldn't have been fighting either. And no, then, he's a buck seventy solid. But we, yeah. we do have a call on the line. Anarchist, Ian Daniels. What's going on, Ian? What's going Ian, on? You are the replacement for the Human Tornado. Thanks for calling in, bro. Oh, no problem. You got the wrong name, though. That's not me. <laughs> Ian Daniels. Hey, don't make me pull my sponsorship. <laughs> all right, all right, Jeff. What's going on, brother? <laughs> Thanks for calling in. <laughs> Just fucking with you. At least you're yeah, sure. Here, <laughs> What's you know, that? We had a dude call in a couple times from New Jersey, and he's and I'm like, okay, fuck, we got ribbed again. Oh, man. So, are you still are you still high on life from that Adam Pierce? Ricky Mandel's match. Hey, that that match was uh, it, it was an awesome match. Unbelievable! I, it, the whole show was just it was just an awesome show. Um, not not even just the Adam Pierce and Ricky Mandel, but uh, SoCal Crazy and Jason Redondo just tore the place apart. And I mean, literally tore the place apart. Uh, Alex, you were there. What what'd you think of Are that main event? Are you going to lose your venue? What's that? Are you gonna lose your venue? Why would I lose the venue? <laughs> okay, they didn't they didn't tear it up too much. No, they only tore apart my stuff. <laughs> well, that's okay then. I guess they didn't get paid that night. They uh they, they took it from, from the ring to the fans, they took it into the bathroom, uh all the way out into the parking lot. It was uh it was just an amazing match. Uh for anybody who wasn't there. Go to uh, SoCalProWrestling.com, and you can check out photos from the show. There's, I think there's about 250 photos from the show. Um, but overall, it was just, just an awesome night of wrestling, I think. That was my thoughts. I thought, I thought you were trying to get kicked out of the venue. <laughs> that match, <laughs> I mean, uh, that match was insane. I didn't know Go Got Crazy or Jason Redondo had that in, uh, in them to pull out that kind of match. Uh, yeah, definitely. It was it was just a just an awesome match all around. Um, you know, uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens next month. What uh, what big matches you got coming up next month? Uh, well, we had uh, we had our debut uh, of our commissioner Derwood Murray showing up, and uh, he came out early on in the show and and pretty much said the winner of that match, the main event, will go on and. Uh, go up against an opponent that he already had signed for the show and Jason Rodondo won the match and so he came out and made the announcement that Jason Rodondo will be taking on the returning Alcatraz and we haven't seen Alcatraz in San Diego for uh, about six or seven months now 
So that match will definitely be one that you definitely want to make sure you see. You got the the Cutlers no. against Johnny Goodtime and Evangelic. What's that? You got the Cutlers against uh, Johnny Goodtime and Evangelic. Yeah, we saw the uh, we saw uh, saw a little preview of that la- of, over the weekend, and so Johnny Goodtime uh, he was helped out by his uh, tag team partner Evangelic. Uh, I think that'll be just a, a great tag team match. Um, and then uh, we can't forget about the NWA World Champion Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. He'll be taking on SoCal Crazy in a rematch from January. And we'll be seeing the Ballards and the Young Bucks, won't we? Ballards and Young Bucks number three. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number three, the rubber match. <laughs> the rubber match for SoCal Pro. The rubber match, period. <laughs> <laughs> period. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Adam is still to be the first guy to put together that match. Hey, you know what? Uh, they have put on some amazing matches, and uh, you know it's not. It's, and I'm sure it won't be the last match that we see with these with these two teams together. Jeff, Jeff, would you say that that the Ballards and the Young Bucks would be the equivalent of the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express? I mean, not not oh. at that level, but you know, wherever they go, they always have good matches together. I, I would have to say that uh, I haven't seen one bad match with these two teams together. And for these two teams, the first time they met up was uh, a year ago, April fourteenth, for our debut show, and the fans were had a standing ovation for these teams. They were demanding a rematch, and so a few months later, we had one. So. Who knows what we'll 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 be uh, seeing uh, next month with these two teams? Okay, let's see. Now, are you going to have a lucha libre match on the show? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Definitely okay, keep cool. checking the website out. Uh, <clears throat> we're trying to work on something now. Cool. Cool. Uh, well, you thought we, the Bell show on Sunday? I thought it was a pretty good show. Um, I uh, I was very sad to see uh, Pendietto's uh, hair being cut off, but you know that was that was a uh, it was a fun show. Yeah, uh, Pendietto and his amazing uh, amazing mullet. Um, not anymore. <laughs> Not yeah, anymore. What, what did they say? They were gonna they were gonna finish it in L.A. or something. What was that? Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They're, I don't know. I don't know what else they could do. They're gonna <laughs> scalp them or something. <laughs> I, I don't know how much further you can go. Masterless <laughs> testicles. That's it. Mask versus testicles. Look at Jeff. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was saying earlier about how I made my wrestling debut, and then uh, that heel Renee Mendoza came in and stole my match, the Mickey Lopisto match. Yeah, that was pretty disappointing for you, huh? <laughs> it was very disappointing. I was really looking forward to that match. 
Yeah, uh, at least I'd, under, I'd understood what they were saying. <laughs> yeah, that would have been the only match you would have understood. <laughs> how was Alex as a referee? Oh, he was great. It was like it was like a Mexican jumping bean in the ring. Well, you know what? You can bring him in for the next SoCal Pro Show as a referee. There you go. <laughs> the hell is getting him booked as a worker. We, we don't need to see him re- wrestle anywhere but New Wave. I want to see him wrestle, uh, referee for SoCal. <clears throat> he could set up the ring and then referee. Paying those dues, Alex. But Alex still hasn't told me if he's gotten paid or not. That's... I got. I have to know. For what? So I, can, I I need to know if Alex got paid for his refereeing gig, so I can stooge oh. him off the melter. Stooge <laughs> me off the melter. So you can what? Uh, so I can stooge him off the melter. About what? <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about it. What are your feelings on the write-up, Jeff? That uh, Dave Meltzer posted. In his update, uh, you know, for someone who hasn't been to a show, you really can't post comments like that. Um, you know, any, I, I, I don't know what to say. It's, uh, you know, the guy has never been to a show. You got the NWA champion. He, he travels the world defending his title, and you know, to say that that pretty much SoCal Pro is is nothing, and the the NWA title is nothing anymore. You know, it, it, you can't really make comments like that. You know, he he really doesn't have. What's that? I, I don't think it was. I, I don't think it was him. I, I really don't. I don't think it was him. Um, I, I don't think that he would stoop that low professionally. But that, that's just my opinion. And uh, you know, I'm trying trying to get him on the show so we can, you know, discuss it. Um, because personally. <clears throat> by I was reading the results, and you know, you guys are my friends, and I felt insulted by reading that because I know Pierce is a fighting champion, and I know wherever he he wrestles singles, he he insists on the title being on the line. You know, and he's that type of a he has that that type of integrity, and he's that kind of a champion that you don't have. There aren't many guys out there that have the character that Adam has. You know, and it. Adam Pierce is, a, is an amazing wrestler. Uh, he's amazing on the mic. There, there's really not, there really isn't anything you can you can talk negatively about the man. And uh, even when he's wrestling in tag team action uh, over here at SoCal Pro, he still puts the title up on the line. If he's pinned in the tag team match, he will still lose the title. So the man puts the title up no matter where he wrestles, and and whatever stipulation the match might be. When was the first time you saw Adam Pierce wrestle? What's that? When was the first time you saw Adam Pierce wrestle? Was that one of your shows? I, I, I couldn't hear you there. You're cutting out. When was the first time you saw Adam Pierce wrestle? Was it one of your shows? Oh, I saw him a few years ago. Uh, I yeah, believe it was WWA. WWA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was quite was some time ago. What's that? <clears throat> That was when I first heard of him, and then he he went yeah, it was, uh, to it, Chicago. Yeah, it was quite some time ago. That was when he had hair. <laughs> he used to wear his hair long, Alex. 
Oh, I know. <laughs> Man, it, it just didn't look right. Oh, I know. It just, it, I, I, it didn't I, look right. I saw Adam Pearce. I, I, I want to say uh, he was on the undercard of a match between CM Punk and Chris Hero TLC match uh, from IWA Mid South. I'm not exactly sure if he was on that show, but I, I know I saw him in early IWA Mid South around that same era. I saw. I saw him in the King Indies. Yeah, he was at the King of Indies too. Yeah, I, I know I saw him yeah. there too. And before that, I think I, I think I may have seen a Windy City match with him and Daniels, if I remember right. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah, that was back when I was getting the, getting the Windy City stuff regularly. But, um, hey, Jeff, what was a new... better match? Jeff, what uh, was a better match? Right. Okay, crazy Adam Pierce or Adam Pierce Ricky Mandel? Oh, that, that's a tough one. I, I don't think I could pick a, pick one on that. <laughs> Did you, did I, you don't, know I don't think I could. were going to go in there and have that kind of match. They were what's that? Did you know him and Ricky were going to go in there and have that kind of a match? The match, the match was amazing, and and the people were on their feet. Um, you really had to be there to really to really understand how that crowd was, because the crowd was just amazing all night. And when it came to when it came to Ricky and uh, Ricky and Adam Pierce. And then it came to, to SoCal Crazy and Jason Rodondo. The, the place just erupted. Well, I, I, I told Jeff on Friday that Pierce is going to make Mandel. I told him that. And, you know, there's a new star in San Diego, and that's Ricky Mandel. He was made. He was christened by Adam Pierce. And, you know, the sky's the limit for that kid. Um, the, the few minutes that I spent with him a couple weekends ago, he is, you know, very humble. You know, he he is just happy to be in the business, happy. I mean, he drove down from L.A. to be in a fucking battle royal, okay? I got to give the kid credit for that. He got his face seen. He came down. He made connections. He met people, and I give the kid credit. You know, and he deserved he deserved to get put over the way he did by Adam Pierce. <clears throat> well, he is an amazing – he, he, he's an amazing wrestler, but that still doesn't take away the fact that he's 0 for 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. That's that's the promoter talking. Damn it. <laughs> he's he's 0 for 10, and he's got a he's got a big match against Chimera next month on the 26th, and uh, he's already been pinned by Chimera once before. So we'll see what he's got. It should be good. It should be fun because Chimera is very good. You know, but Ricky Mandel, I think he showed a little something at the New Wave show when he threw out the mask Joe Bear out of that, that Battle Royal. <laughs> Joe Bear. That guy had look, the best gear. The best gear of the whole show. He looked pretty good in there, didn't he? <laughs> well, we ever see the mask Joe Bear at a, at a SoCal Pro event? Because he's like a legend here in San Diego. Oh, I don't know. I, I've talked to him a few times. I don't, I don't know if he's willing to come out for, you know, come out just for anything. So uh, how 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 hard was it to get? Uh, because one of my favorite uh, guys I saw at the SoCal Pro Show this weekend was El Bandito from Guadalajara. And how hard was it to get him in from Guadalajara? Because that, that's further south. Yeah, you know it, it. You know, plane ticket. We had to make sure everything was okay with passports, visas, and whatnot. But uh, we got him out here, and uh, him and Matt Twisted, they they sure put on a show with uh, with the Ballard Brothers. They almost they almost took the Ballard Brothers down for for a victory, but uh, 
the crowd the crowd sure loved him. <laughs> What'd you think of El Bandito there, Alex? Oh, El, El Bandito is awesome. Uh, saw El, El Bandito. He's had a change in heart or something. He uh, I'd seen him at LLI before, and then uh, seeing him at SoCal Pro and last LLI show, he's had a little bit of a change of heart, and he's very very entertaining. Is he booked for the next SoCal Pro show, Jeff? Uh, he is not booked on the next show. But I know a lot of people are asking for him, so uh, hopefully we'll see him back. How, how is the return of Matt Twisted? Oh, you know, uh, hey, the return was great. He um, <laughs> he had a lot of fun, and uh, I know I know the people sure loved him and him and uh, El Bandito teaming up, so hopefully we'll we'll see that team come back again really soon. Yeah, that was a how long was time his, we didn't how, see that. How was uh, Matt's it. leg? The what? How was Matt's leg? He uh, During the Battle Royal at um, the last New Age show, he came down pretty bad on that ankle. Yeah, um, he, looked, he, he, looked, he, looked, he looked pretty good. Uh, it didn't it seem to good. bother him in the ring. Uh, it okay. didn't bother him in the ring, I can tell you. He's, he's hurting. But, <laughs> he's hurting but, real I, I did, bad. Uh, yeah, so... I did see him limp around a little bit down, after. He came down pretty bad on that ankle, and, you know, it, it didn't break, but he rolled it pretty good. And, you know, and I, I saw him hit the ground, and, I you know, I, I cringed up the aisle. That did not feel good. Uh, he's a gamer, so. Yeah, he definitely is. Uh, yeah, Matt Twisted, yeah, I can I can also tell you he's he's not enjoying life. But, I mean, uh, he had a big match. That's probably one of his biggest matches he's had. It was against the Ballards. I mean, uh and he came, and he, he went in there, and he had a really good match with the Ballard, So, Okay, let's see. Oh. So, uh, Jeff, have you been watching any other indies at all? You know, the the only stuff I've been watching lately is, is has been a lot of uh, interviews. Mm-hmm. Um. And other than that, I did watch some of the uh, the Revoluchas. Did, uh, and, did uh, you get a chance late, to see the the Santo Parker cage match? I, I did. I did get to see that. That was fun uh, with, when uh, when they used the bones. That was so cool. I was like, oh, right. La Parker's using the bones. Yeah, it was definitely a fun match. Yeah, those guys they they know what they're doing out there in Detroit. But uh. They're, they're, they're due to run again in June. DVD? What was that? They do. You see the Face Off 3 DVD? Are you asking me? Yeah. Mm. Uh, yes. Which one was that? Uh, Kevin uh, Sullivan and Raven. Sullivan and Raven. I I did see that. It, it was it was uh it was an awesome interview. Uh, Ray, Ray, Raven is just on a whole nother level than a lot of other guys, and uh, <laughs> you, you, you need to be booker for some company. You know, yeah, I, mean, you I, can I, sure. I, would, I would pay to have Marquez bring him in to book the NWA, the national company. I'm sure Marquez would, would like to hear that. Him. Oh, jeez! Imagine, imagine if Raven had the talent that Marquez has with. Uh, you know, a money mark behind him. Imagine what he could do. Man. With low TNA away, I'll tell you that. Raven's so intelligent, but, I mean, Raven wasn't ever known as, like, uh, the best worker ever. That's what always 
that's always my thing about Raven. Like he's very intelligent. He knows what he's talking about, but I just never saw it in his work. <laughs> some guys are better workers. Some guys are better bookers. Yeah. <clears throat> but the 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 problem with Raven though is he he's burned every bridge that he's ever crossed. So, and you know, getting clean and sober doesn't you know rebuild those bridges. He's he's fucked himself out of job many a time, and but you know now he has a steady gig with RF, so I'm good for him. But uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna wrap it up a few minutes early. Uh, Jeff, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on at such short notice. Hey, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, awesome. We will be talking to you very soon. Awesome. All right. So that was. Uh, Jeff, the owner of SoCal Pro Wrestling and WrestleWarehouse.com. Alex, do you your plugs real quick? Uh, MySpace.com backslash CM Saint. There's a force that we get on Tornado on. That's a good question. I sent him the phone number today. <laughs> and I sent him the phone number last week. I sent him reminder MySpace messages, and I don't know what happened. <clears throat> but Jeff came on to save the day, which was pretty cool. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hang you up, Alex, and I'm going to finish off the show myself, if that's okay. All right, yep. All right brother, I will talk to you on Thursday. All right, bye-bye. All right, now that was a pretty interesting show. We had Rob Feinstein to start it off, and we had a no-show from the Human Tornado, which, you know, it happens from time to time. He might be traveling or might be with a chick or something, but... You never know what will happen with independent workers nowadays. So uh, and we have under about two minutes left, so um, I'm going to plug our sponsors once again. Um, www.wrestlewarehouse.com. Uh, let them know that KZ from RubberGuard Radio sent you. Um, Jeff will take care of you. He's got a bunch of, uh, bunch of DVDs, uh, Lucha masks, and, you know, a bunch of different swag and stuff. But, yeah, Jeff will take care of you. Also, if you are anywhere in the San Francisco Bay Area or within driving distance, Reno, uh, Stockton, Sacramento, Fresno, you know, Fog City is having their third show on April 12th at the cell space in the south of Market. Excuse me, not south of Market. It would probably be the Mission District in San Francisco at the cell space, which is one of the best venues I have ever seen for, for pro wrestling. And they pack them in. So you need to check them out, www.fogcitywrestling.com. Uh, come out, say hi to KZ. I will be there in attendance, handing out flyers. Probably will have my fan cam with me, um, filming before, during, and after the show. Uh, come by, see me. Um, I'll be the goofy guy with the Rebel Guard Radio shirt on. So... <clears throat> yeah, you could uh, you could find me like that. Uh, also, you can hit us up on MySpace, myspace.com backslash Radio. Also, our shows are archived, and we have columnists that write columns from all over the world uh, at rubberguardradio.com. Uh, come by, check us out. 